0: million dollar deal toward left long run Reynolds and diving catch for Reynolds what a play Brian Reynolds phenomenal catch in left field and Baez who's robbed plenty over the years appreciates that effort.
1: You were listening to Rum Bunter Radio. The Pirates. Two out of three. They are back on track. Hey, eight to nothing. Last game against the Detroit Tigers. A split there in Comerica Park. Uh, I guess two and three since the last time we recorded. And thank you all for joining us on this episode. Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso, Trey Andy back with you, the regular crew, just to recap it here. Uh, no guests this week, but we are going to preview Arizona coming up this weekend, recap Detroit, Baltimore, just kind of talk about everything going on, Luis Ortiz, how, how everything's going there, what the Pirates need to do strategy-wise, um, you know, with this rotation as the last guys gets back, uh, talk about some lineups, you know, where, where everything stands right now, and um, just kind of what's going on. What's going on with you guys? I know the school year is wrapping up. Uh, Marty, Nick, how you guys doing?
2: Yeah, doing well. Um I I know Nick Nick's got a little less than me. I've got I've got nine more days, nine more days to, to get through and get the summer vacation. Um, you know, you you've reached the point of the year, you're on the other side of standardized testing. The kids are tired, the staff are tired, nobody wants to be there. So these next nine days go smoothly and uh yeah, hopefully that can correlate. Correlate with the Buccos starting to get back on track. Um, yeah, just baseball season overall, off to a good start. Oldest kids pony league team two and one, so we, we we survived a scare. We th- thought we had a broken wrist on hit by pitch on Tuesday. Thankfully, we did not. But uh, yeah, yeah, all, all good on my end.
3: Yeah, um, like Marty said, just wrapping up school here in about a week and getting ready to, uh, you know, invest a full summer into into the Pirates here. Hopefully, they can keep keep me fully interested all summer long.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's winning baseball. Hopefully uh, it's a fun summer. And um, yeah, congratulations on getting to the end of the school year. Standardized testing was always weird. I feel like it's, you know, it's a difficult time of the year, but it was fun. You you get that feeling that the summer's coming around. So um, I know it's a lot on the grading side. Uh, So wishing you guys luck and, um, you know, congrats on getting through it all. Congrats to the kids as well, but... Um, Guys, let's let's talk about this week. Obviously, the Pirates, a little bit uh, of of an improvement on what was, you know, a slump where they lost. What was it? 12 out of 13, 11 out of 12 in that stretch. Uh, Some improvement here. If you look at the micro two out of three, they wrap it up in Baltimore with a nice win. Tuesday, game number one in Detroit, um, you know, they just get dominated again. Uh, but in game number two, a dominant effort there, and you start to feel like things are turning around. Is that an overreaction? Uh, you know, what's this game, the the, the click that is going to get this offense sparked? Or, uh, you know, is there still reason to panic about where things stand with this offense?
3: I think Rodolfo Castro starting to throw a little bit of a, a supporting – Cause from the fan base to get him on the field more than him coming up and hitting that home run um, in game two there against the Tigers was was huge and I, I I do think maybe that could could be the the spark that gets the offense uh, going again and it seemed like you know it did obviously that day and baseball momentum's a huge thing. Cashier has a hot bat right now and he gets in there hitting's contagious. Get back on track.
2: Yeah, that was the seventh inning. I think it was in Detroit in game two, and they exploded for four runs. Like this offense was just in dire, dire need of it, of an inning like that, of a game like they had on Wednesday. Have a laugher, go into your day off into that travel home, coming off a much-need laugher. Um, I will say to me, I think the, the the script is pretty obvious. The pirates have won three games in May they didn't allow a single run in any of those games. Just don't allow runs. You're going to win. You're going to be okay. But, uh, y- you know, hopefully that is the offense getting going again. I'm, I'm with you on Castro. I don't, Their handling of him. Does drive me a bit crazy. I Burn know he has been great run. against righties yeah. in his career, but he's 23. Like. Yeah. Get a chance. He's 23 years old. Um, he hits the ball really hard against righties. It's not like he even makes poor contact. Just give him a chance. Cause I still think Castro can be your long-term second baseman, but Yeah, hopefully that seventh inning against Detroit is what ignites this offense and gets them going again because you're going to need it against Arizona. Arizona is a a really good team. You're going to face some really good starting pitching. I mean, Friday night going up against Zach Allen, you're going to face a guy who very quietly has become one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. So, so not it would too be
3: be- he's, he's leading the old, the old fantasy baseball staff. I traded for him after his first start or second start of the year, his ERA was high, you know, I traded for the guy and then he went on that 28 pitching scoreless streak. It doesn't work for the pirates, by the way, I have Luis Ortiz.
2: <laughs> well, at least you traded for Zach Gallon instead of trading away Zach Gallon like the St. Louis Cardinals once did, but um, no, uh, <laughs> but yeah hopefully the bats can get going this weekend it's going to be a challenging series against Arizona but it should be a fun series two teams that definitely have been to the bigger surprises of baseball thus far so uh yeah let's let's see what's in store this weekend but that that, that seventh inning against Detroit on Wednesday just felt so good because they needed that so badly
3: the the thing about that Cardinals trade and you know we've talked about this before we've put it on Twitter before but like that trade needs to be talked about more. That was an absolute horrendous deal considering Alcantara (laughs) won the Cy Young last year. Zach Allen very well. (laughs) They win it this year. Like, man, that trade now have nothing compared to those two guys at this point in their careers.
2: That trade is infinitely times worse Than the Chris Archer trade. And I just, it makes me laugh because what is the Cardinals biggest problem? Their starting (laughs) pitching has zero swing and miss ability. And you trade it away. Like you said, the defending Cy Young award winner, the guy who might win it this year, who could be anchoring your staff right now. And with those two, the Cardinals will probably have like a 10 game lead in this division. And instead they're in last place. But Hey, that falls firmly in the category of things you love to see.
1: And no Johan Oviedo to go along with it No, But, I mean, it's, uh, you know, this has been an interesting stretch here, and you will have to face an ace coming up this weekend. But, um, you know, some exciting matchups. We're going to talk about that. Let's, uh, let's get to our top of the trolley. What's the best thing that you guys saw the last week? Something in Baltimore uh, or maybe something in the two-game right here against Detroit. Um, Nick, you want to get us started? What was the best thing you saw this week?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, for me, an easy Mitch Keller decision. Like, the guy is finally turned into that top 50 prospect that he was labeled at one point. Um, you know, it's interesting because he's, like, not obviously done it the traditional way like we we see a lot of young top pitching prospects but you know we're we're the pirates and nothing can ever go traditional so to see Mitch Keller you know go off on his own a couple years ago and kind of put some work in the offseason understanding that like he had to he had to do something or he wasn't going to you know have that chance in the big leagues continued and you know so credit to him for doing that and to you know this pitching pitching coaching staff, I'm not necessarily huge on them, but you know they they have found something that has worked for Keller and um you know we saw that last year and you know just to see him those last couple starts like it's been exactly what we could have hoped for when he was uh you know coming up through the farm.
2: Yeah, like you said, I mean, we talked about a lot last episode, but, man, just watching Mitch evolve, watching him become the ace, watching it happen the way he has, it's great. Um, So you, you, you took what I was going to go with. That's fine. I, I'm going to – I don't know how often this is ever going to be an opportunity, and I have bashed the guy to no extent. I'll give a shout-out to Austin Hedges. I mean, Wednesday – Gets on base three times. Has that two-run double in the second inning that kind of got the offense going. Um, I mean, he probably did more in that game offensively than he'll do over the entire month of May. But just that that was a big hit. That was a big, big hit, that two-run double with two outs in the second to get the offense going. As I said, this offense was in dire need of a game like that. And Hedges is what was the spark that started it. Tip of the cap to the veteran catcher. He has been raked across the coals by so many people myself included so tip of the cap to him for having a big offensive game on wednesday to uh, help spark that eight run outburst to
3: beat the tigers and finish off a series split but also just like you know good for him just like kind of blocking all that out too and just grinding through and like still being um, you know, we hear after at rich Hill just said it after his last search Just so much credit given to hedges and what he's doing for the pitchers. So, you know, even though he's been struggling with the bat and getting called out, I'm sure he knows that he's getting called out, you know, on social media, on the radio, on TV, like, but you know, he hasn't carried it into what he was truly brought in here for. And, you know, like you said, any offense from him will take. We know that he's not going to provide a lot. We always knew that.
1: I mean, that's – I feel like part of what the idea was this summer, or excuse me, this winter, this off season, get veterans, get guys that can kind of mold what you've built here. You know, these youngsters that are coming in, catching is huge. And obviously you have – two extremely talented young catchers on the way that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But, um, you know, you want veterans there like Hedges to to kind of anchor it down. How about it? I feel like uh, the last episode, it was fire into the sun for Marty and Austin Hedges, but he's at the top of the trolley this week. How about uh, how about our sour pierogi? What was the worst thing that you guys saw this week?
2: I mean, listen, first and foremost, I would still gladly fire – Pedges away <laughs> Henry Davis up here, but uh, no, my, for me, the worst thing I saw this week, I'm going to go with Luis Ortiz. And I'm not necessarily going to go with Luis Ortiz because he gave up four runs in three innings. I'm going to go with Luis Ortiz because of the way he attacked Tiger batters. Um, I mean, we talked about this a little bit off air before we started. Obviously he's going to be pitching differently now than he was in September where you know, in September, when you're a team that's well below 500, like the Pirates were last year, it's almost like spring training of, hey, just go out there, throw it against the wall, see what happens. You, you need to pitch a little bit more in a May start than you do in a September start. Um, but I, I just, I didn't understand. I didn't see the entire start because of my kids' baseball schedules. But from re- rewatching the game, reading some things online, some of the things Michael McHenry said on the postgame show, it, it, it just, he had a really strange plan of attack. Um, seemed like it was almost like he was trying to force that slider and that change up too much. I, I wanted to see more of the fastball. I wanted to see more of him trying to induce weak contact like he did against the Rockies in his previous start. Um, and some of that is when you're a young pitcher, you need – that's that's why last year, for example, when Ronzi Contreras was in AAA dominating guys, it was driving me nuts because that was doing him no good. What was going to do him good was to be in the major leagues to learn pitch sequencing, learning how to attack major league hitters, learning how to mix and match your pitches, that sort of thing. Which is what Luis Ortiz is currently going through. Um, so hopefully he'll learn from that. Hopefully we'll see a different plan of attack. I don't, I don't know if he'll make another start. Um, I'm assuming he probably makes one more before Velasquez comes off the injured list, since Velasquez needs to get a rehab outing in there yet, which seems like it could come not this weekend, early next week, but. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more of an aggressive attacking Luis Ortiz in that start, and he can end things on a high note before going back down to AAA and uh, continue to work on things. Because I, I will say, too, I think coming out of spring training, a lot of people wanted Luis Ortiz on this roster, and I understood that. But we're seeing why he started the year in AAA, um, because he does still have things to work on. There's no doubt about that. If Luis Ortiz is going to be a successful major league starting pitcher, some of his pitches still need work. And like I said, that that's just – the The idea of pitching and not just throwing is something he still has a lot of work to do with.
3: Yeah. I think, you know, something that we talked about was last year coming up at the end of the year is like, Hey kid, get out there and go get after it, you know? And now like they are trying to develop him. So he will have long-term success at the big league level. And, you know, I think the a telling stat is he's throwing his sinker, um, double the amount he threw it last year in his big league starts. So he threw it like 14% of the time. He's up around 30% now. So again, it seems like that's the pitching philosophy that's being put into play here. Like you said, Luis Ortiz clearly needs more time to develop that sinker if they truly want him to be that type of pitcher. I'm a little disappointed by that. Um, You know, it reminds me of Garrett Cole 10 years ago when they were, you know, having him induce weak contact instead of allowing him to rear back. But at the same time, um, you know, if that means him struggling a little bit now and having more success down the road, um, you know, then obviously we have to go for it. But I'm just I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> let let the kid blow people away. I don't, I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you know, I mean, that's still what this season's about. Obviously you want to win, you want to compete for this division. It's a winnable division. It looks like things are, uh, you know, shifting a bit pirates now um, still a game out after today, but uh, it, you want to try some things. You want to give guys like Luis Ortiz opportunities to get starts Um, You want to see other guys, though. Quinn Priester, a guy that was kind of brought up in our group message this week. When do we see Quinn Priester? Should we have seen Quinn Priester here even? And, uh, you know, maybe will we see Quinn Priester sooner than later uh, this season?
3: You know, I wrote about that earlier this week, um, talking about, similar to what Marty just said, Velasquez is going to be coming back. You assume Ortiz gets optioned at that point to AAA. And, you know, who knows when exactly it will be, but I'm sure sometime soon another pitcher in the starting rotation will probably go down with some sort of injury. And, you know, it's just part of the game and it's always going to happen. And I, I could see them going Priester over Ortiz because of, you know, what we have seen from Ortiz so far. Just the the rawness of this new pitch that they're trying to get him to throw more of the sinker. Um Priester, on the other hand, apparently has been throwing a two-seam sinker-type uh, fastball as well at Triple A, And, um, you know, it's one of those things. He was struggling at the beginning of the year. Now all of a sudden he's having success. You know, is it similar to what we're saying Ortiz needs that Priester just was able to figure it out, you know, quicker? Um, and that could be the case. And if that's the case, that's huge because Quinn Priester, one of his biggest issues – is his fastball is relatively flat, but, um, you know, you throw in now a potential sinking fastball uh, changes uh, his outlook for sure.
2: Yeah. Like you said, Priester, you know, three, three consecutive strong starts. Now, I mean, obviously anyone who reads the site, listens to the podcast a lot knows I'm not as high on Priester as Nick is. Um, and that fastball is a big reason why it really worries me. Um, I think that's part of why they went Ortiz over Priester is in terms of his 4 seamed fastball. Right now, Nick Priester is in no position, or at least at the start of the stretch, I should say, was in no position to be successful in the major leagues because his fourteen, his four-seamer is not going to play in the majors right now, which is going to make his slider and curveball basically ineffective, and batters are going to tee off on that four-seamer. Um, but if if this sinker is going to work for priest or that, like Nick said, that kind of just totally changes the outlook on him moving forward. And that's
3: it's almost true. like a Mitch Keller effect. Honestly, <laughs> it
2: really is where it's like, all right, this guy's always been a top 100 prospect and we just got to, well, what's it? He's got this great off speed stuff, this great break. We need to figure this fastball out, start throwing this sinker and see what happens. And yeah, if that is the case and, and Priester continues to pitch anywhere near as well as he has his last three starts, Excuse me. I do think the next time they need a starter, I, I definitely could see them going with him before Ortiz. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, unless he gets hurt, you're going to see Priester at some point this year in the majors. Um, it's just he's getting to the point where the Pirates are going to have to find out what what's the future with him. Um, I mean, I know he's only 22, but he's already between last year and this year up to 10 starts at triple a i mean let's say you know we get into july and august and he gets another eight nine ten starts under his belt you're over 20 triple a starts at that point as a former first round pick it's like all right it, it's it might be time for sink or float and if he continues to pitch well i think we see him sooner rather than later
3: yeah and you know that timeline of course adds up with the the trade deadline as well and you know, Rich Hill, I could see them keeping around just because it seems like they're they're committed to to Rich Hill in the clubhouse, and just you know, I'm sure if they got blown away, that would change things. But I don't envision them getting blown away for a 43 year old pitcher either. So, you know, Velasquez is obviously the the key here. If he um, continues to pitch well, he he could very much be in play, like we've seen them in Years, Pat. Years. What's up, Mace? Yeah. Uh, Like, we've seen them doing years past with flyer pitchers. They turn around at the deadline, like we saw with Quintana last year. Um, You know, if the Pirates are in it at that point still, like, it's going to be still – I just don't envision, like, them, like, running away with it, I guess. So, it will be acceptable for them, I think, to trade away a veteran or two, especially if then they do promote Quinn Priester or or Ortiz, whoever at that point. And, you know, it's more almost like making a roster spot for one of your future guys rather than trading away people again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and, and, you know, I know this is off topic, so I don't want to go on too much, and we're talking two months down the road, but – Man, if they're still kind of hanging around in July, it's got to be fascinating to see what they do. It really is because, I, I mean, like you said, you've got guys you want to make room for. If you are still within two, three games of this division, I, I could awesome. definitely
3: like. <laughs>
2: I, yeah, it, it's I I could definitely see a, a scenario similar to the Orioles last year where it's like, all right, are we in this? Are we not? kind of the sell buy combo. Now, obviously with the Pirates it could be a lot different to where the Orioles were battling for a wild card spot. Things are much different if you're trying to win a division because winning that division just means a lot more not I mean not not as much as it, as it once did now that they've changed the wild card format, but you'd still winning a division still carries a lot more weight and gives you a big layup in the Pirates, I mean yeah.
3: it, Like it means more for for them at this point.
2: Exactly. I mean, haven't they? I mean, you obviously you're never gonna make moves based solely on this, but I can guarantee you it mean it would mean something to them that that they haven't won a division pennant since ninety two. Like but yeah, no, I don't I don't want to get too much off track there. But if, if we get to late July and they're still in this divisional race and they're and they're within two or three games of first, it's going to be very interesting to see how things unfold. And now I do think too, if they get to late July and they're still in contention, a big part of that is a lot of these young guys are already up here and they're producing. You know, Davis and Rodriguez are up here in their key cogs in the lineup. Priesters up here helping this pitching staff in some fashion. So I, I I don't I don't think there's a scenario where they're in contention still in July and they and the young guys aren't here yet where they need to make room for them. I don't I don't think those things can be separate
3: and you know you again not to get ahead of ourselves but you talk about that buy sell approach that's one of those that oftentimes like you don't like as as a fan of of your sports theme but for the pirates like it going into this year you know if they're looking around and can potentially buy you know a controllable player for the future like i mean that's that's something that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, I guess, at this deadline, based off the scenario we're talking about.
2: Yeah, I mean, it just, I know, know these are kind of two names we've floated out there in similar situations in the past, in past episodes in recent weeks. But if you get to July and you'd have to move a decent amount to get, but if a guy like Luis Robert or Kyle Freeland is there, man, does that, your entire outlook looks so much different? if you can take someone and not necessarily it doesn't be one of those two guys, but just a player like that, a younger guy like Nick said, controllable on a losing team with a long, good track record and add them to your core for the next three, four years, that that just, it jumpstarts everything. It changes everything. And I think at that point you get a little bit more willing to make a big splash move, even a year where you don't view yourself as truly being a quote unquote contender.
1: Who do you have to move there, though? Just, that, you know, not to get too too far into the weeds with yeah, it. That's but... it gets,
2: yeah, that's where it gets tricky. It's like, you know, you look at, you know, just, just take Freeland, for example, because I think Kyle Freeland pitching his home games at PNC Park is, you know, one of the best left-handed starting pitchers in the National League. But it's like you look at look at Colorado. If you're Colorado, you're probably going to want at least one of Ortiz, a or Priester, um, which I would do because they have improvement and Kyle Freeland has proven. I mean, hell, I'd probably move both of them. For Freeland, considering where Freeland's contract's at. I mean, I'm sure a guy like Nick Gonzalez would I, – I, I think if the Pirates are looking to go big at the deadline this year, Gonzalez is the name we're going to hear floated a lot just because of their middle infield depth um, and some questions in Gonzalez's future and his swing and some things like that. Um, I, could see, I could see a scenario like that, but definitely – you know, if you're going to target just to take a starting pitcher, for example, you're probably going to have to move at least one, if not both, of Ortiz and Priester to get that controllable starting pitcher because that team is giving that guy up. They might not be contending now, but they're going to say, Hey, we got him a contract for five years. We expect to contend at some point in the next five years. You got to give us the guy or guys to replace him.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's like, is it worth it? You don't want to give up too much of, uh, of what they've built, but at a, at a certain point, why not kind of just jumpstart it? They've already done that in the census off season, um, gotten them to, to at least watchable, you know, to at least a team that at this point record wise is, uh, is two games above 500, but is gonna, what we hope can at least stick around 500 finish about 500. Um, you know, as we kind of look into this next week and I didn't get any tweets ready for this one. So, uh, get your tweets in. We'll do, uh, we'll do a few extra tweets for a tweet of the, uh, week, week next week. But, um, let's preview this, uh, this Arizona series a little bit, You kind of touched on it a little bit there, Marty, you face, uh, Zach Gallen, Cy Young candidate, um, you know, a guy that's, been an ace, maybe the ace of the National League so far this season uh, and, and some other difficult matchups in this one. What are we looking forward to the, in this series, guys? Um, you know, and I guess what what lineups and, and uh, matchups are you guys most excited to see here?
2: Well, I mean, personally, I'll be at the game on Saturday afternoon and Mitch Keller's pitching, so that's going to be pretty cool. Um, I mean, Keller, I feel like, has become that guy You know, it's like, hey, Keller's pitching. You drop what you're doing and you watch the game. Um, So it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, plus anytime you go to the ballpark and be there with my kids on Saturday, that'll be a good time. Um, Friday night, I'm – I don't know if excited is the right word (laughs) uh, to see Zach Allen against this lineup. Um, I am excited, though. Johan Oviedo coming off a strong start against Baltimore, in which he did not have his best stuff, struggled with command. And pitched in the sixth in- into the sixth inning still, and the only run he allowed was after he had left the game and via a wild pitch that had just didn't play all that well. Um, Oviedo, in his short time with the Pirates, seems like a guy who thrives in situations like this where you know he's going to come out amped up, ready to go toe to toe with Gallon, uh, similar to what we saw from him against the Cardinals in St. Louis earlier this year in that start. So I am, I am excited to see Oviedo and how he responds. Cause he seems like the kind of guy here early in his big league career to responds well to these situations, to these types of games where it's like, Hey, you know what? If the, if we're lucky, we might get one, maybe two runs off a gallon tonight. So you got to go out there and be a guy. And, and I'm excited to see him respond there. And then Sunday sticking with the starting pitching team, Ron Contreras was in dire need of a strong start last time out. Against a very good Baltimore lineup, won seven innings other than two solo home runs. Gave up absolutely nothing. So excited to see if Rowe can start to string together some good starts in a row again starting on Sunday.
3: Yeah, Marty, you bring up Aviato and it's, you know, he has shown us so much glimpse of what he can be. And, like, I think he's closer to that than he is the bad that we've seen. Um, you know, we've talked about before on here and he's, he's a young starting pitcher still, even though he's been up since 2020 as a starter, like he hasn't had a ton of, um, opportunity there at the big league level. And so you're going to have these, these bumps in the road. And, you know, like you said, the big thing is he's responded well from those bumps in the road too. It's never, um, you know, he hasn't compiled, um, back to back to back, bad, bad start so that you know the fact that he's able to kind of you know move on to that next start and you know get out there and compete and like you said even when he doesn't have his best stuff um you know he's still able to get through and have an effective start after having you know a couple poor ones earlier in the year when he was in a similar situation so you just like to see that that progress he's making
2: yeah and one other thing with oviedo and i trey i know you and i kind that one poor start he had against the Nationals, you do wonder, too, not just the rain delay, but the fact that the starting pitchers were out there starting to get loose, going through their pregame routine, then they delayed it, and just – it was it was a weird start. It was a really weird start, especially for a young guy. And I know people will come back and say, well, Josiah Gray pitched fine. He's a young guy. But a big difference there is Josiah Gray's always been a starting pitcher. The He's Cardinals did had- yeah. The Cardinals did Johan Oviedo no favors whatsoever in his development just like they're currently doing no favors whatsoever for the development of their young outfielders um they had him yo-yoed between the bullpen and starting
3: and in and the A and, yeah, yeah. and
2: whatever it was called in the covid season the the camp things Excellent. they had like
3: Excellent.
2: yeah like he just the Cardinals did the kid no favors at all And that's why when he got traded to the pirates last year, a lot of people thought he'd go right to the pit, to the pirates. He had to go to Indy for a month. to kind of find himself as a starter. So I, I Oviedo, I'm with you, Nick. I think he's much closer to the good than the bad. And he's shown more good than bad this year. And he's just your, it's your typical young starting pitcher with a great stuff. Who's learning to control it where He's going to have three, four, five good starts in a row, and then two clunkers, that's going to make his ERA look ugly. But if you look at the rest of his numbers, they're pretty solid. And I just think that's what we're going to get from Oviedo all year, but that's what's going to be best for his long-term development. And I think the guy can be a pretty good starter moving forward.
3: Yeah, I mean, we see that with Contreras, too, from time to time. And we saw it more last year. You know, it's just – it, they're young starters. It's going to happen. You know, it's, it, we look at sometimes it uh, under a microscope because we're, we need these guys to be successful for the pirates. Like, but you know, it's, it's a pretty standard thing across baseball, you know, like, the, same with hitters, right? Like they're going to be hot and cold when they're young. You know, we see that with cash or we've talked about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, coming into the season, before we knew what was going to happen, we said, look, this bullpen's got to be a nice surprise for this team to be good. They were, and they still have been. Same with the lineup, in a sense, we knew it was going to be a lot better. Uh, the rotation, you hit on it, it has its highs and its lows that that comes with the young, high uh, high-ceiling pitchers, I guess you could call it, but exciting guys nonetheless, and um you know on the winning streak you got great starts out of everybody there was the the run of quality starts there of course uh but i think you get a little bit more excited when you get to this part of the rotation when you get to see the youngsters along with now you know an established ace and mitch keller um so it's going to be fun to see kind of this matchup ace off uh, or i guess what is gallons going friday night keller i guess we'll miss him on saturday Um, But, you know, some good matchups in this series, good series overall. And uh, somebody I think I think hit on it earlier, a fun story, I guess, in Arizona this season, a division that's a little bit different here. I mean, San Diego, excuse me, has been a disappointment. Los Angeles is a lot different this season. Um, You know, what do you guys think about this lineup? What do you guys think about Arizona in general? And uh, I guess just kind of the, the NL West.
3: I think it's unfortunate for the Diamondbacks because like you just hit on the Dodgers and the Padres, they're going to wake up eventually. Um, They have too much talent and too much resources put in at this point to not, um, you know, for the Pirates, like we've talked about, this division is very winnable. Uh, there, There are no Goliaths in this division at this point. So, um but to bounce back to the Diamondbacks, like I'm not taking anything away from what they're doing. They are very much in a similar spot to to what the Pirates are trying to be, and to what the Orioles have become already. Like just starting to have that that young um, talent come up and make it make actual impacts. Corbin Carroll um, is just you know unreal. He's he can hit, hurt you in every way. Uh, of the game and you know he's been that way since day one so like he looks like he's going to be an absolute you know stud for them for the next 10 years or whatever but um so I'm, I'm excited to see him actually just because you know we don't get to see a ton of the west coast being on the east coast so um you know, I, I am excited to also, you know, catch some of these, these young players, like Marty said, gallon also just, you know, going to be a tough start, but also like, if you're a baseball fan, you know, you're going to appreciate probably what he does too. So. I I
2: like that you ended that statement with with if you're a baseball fan, because one thing in the off season I said, and I know my buddy John, who I know you're listening, John, so shout out, um, and I talked about a lot, was that Arizona is going to be one of those teams where if you weren't like a real diehard baseball fan, you're going to look up at them this season and say, man, where do they come from? How are they sitting there eight, nine, ten games over 500 in July and in a wild card spot? But Mm -hmm. like Corbin Carroll,
3: like you mentioned, Gallon, some of these young players, her Modes finally yeah. put it together, which I'm yeah, excited about. Cause he was another COVID guy who got kind of, you know, called up before he should have been, I'm sorry to cut you off. No,
2: You're good. No, but yeah, you're spot on with that. You know, L- Lourdes Gary owl has been quietly, maybe the best hitter in the oh. national league for the last month or so, you know, it's, it's one of those teams where, it, as a big baseball people, Merle Kelly, another player flies way well under the radar, you look at that roster, you're like, man, this, this is a playoff caliber roster that nobody talks about because, A, it's Arizona Diamondbacks, and B, they're stuck in a just malicious, horrible division to be in, but to their credit, they've taken advantage of San Diego's slow start. I mean, the Dodgers have come to life, and they look like the Dodgers, and they're going to win the NL West again because that's what the Dodgers do, but... I'm not going to be surprised at all if we're sitting here in October and talking about Arizona as a wild card team going to the postseason. I, I think that team is extremely talented. Um, as we've said, a lot of young, fun players. And this is a team that's going to be a problem in the National League for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, you know, a fun team that is comparable here. And uh, potential wild card preview this weekend. Um, you know, we'll see. Obviously, it's way early, but. Um, this is uh, you know, this is a similar group here. It's going to be a really fun series. Uh, the, the Spyglass guys, the, the one thing you're looking at the most closely into the rest of this week here, um, and I guess uh, you know we can get to our minor league minute as well. If you guys got anything you want to talk about going on in the minor leagues.
2: I mean, for me with the minor leagues, it's all about these catchers. Uh, <laughs> another hit. Tonight for Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez was two for five with a triple and a double. Um, you know, John Baker, the farm director said it last weekend. Henry, Henry Rodriguez is making things difficult on the pirates. Um, one thing I'll mention there too, it was during one of the games this week in Detroit on the broadcast, Greg Brown snuck in a little comment about Henry Davis and, things becoming difficult on the pirates, however he worded it. And in the past we've seen Brown Bob walk, whoever it might be, who gets that little bit of nugget and Intel from the organization, plant that seed, sneak it in there in the middle of a broadcast and a week or so later, we see somebody up here. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but if Henry Davis keeps doing what he's doing, you, you've got to get him up here. You, you're not going to have a choice. Um, and Andy Rodriguez is not hurting his case at all either. And you know the easy thing to do, obviously, would be to promote Rodriguez, especially because he's on the forty man, and move Davis to AAA and let Davis catch every day at AAA. But I mean, hell, with Henry Davis's ability to DH and play right field, I would just get them both up here sooner rather than later. The lineup needs it. But yeah, the, the, with anything in the minor leagues, has to start with the catchers because you have two catchers in your system, both from the upper minors who are both top 50 overall prospects in baseball. And both of which are swinging a hot bat, which includes the guy who you picked number one overall in the draft, less than two calendar years ago, leading all of double A and OPS. The guy is just killing the baseball. So you, you've, you you've got to get something figured out there sooner rather than later.
3: Yeah. And like, they started him at double A because, like, we've talked about getting him and Rodriguez as many reps behind the plate was more important than, you know, what level. And we've talked about how they'll promote from double A if they feel. And I, I think Davis is, you know, the type of guy that they're going to do that with. They, they they know, like you said, the pedigree of the player. He was the first overall pick for a reason. Um, you know, he is, like you said, absolutely destroying the ball at double A. Um, there's just, I think they, they would in a perfect world have him already at triple A. And so I think it's just one of those, like him putting up these elite numbers at double A will just make them not even worry about getting those, those often quote unquote required amount of at bats or innings at each level, um, that, you know, you see oftentimes, Uh and I think just seeing him play right field, get going into that DH spot, it seems like you know, like hey, like when you get called up, like this is what's going to be kind of going on. You're gonna, we want, you're going to be in the lineup, but we're going to be bouncing you around a little bit. So you know, like you said, I think that's a little bit of a tell- telling sign as well.
2: Yeah, and one other thing with the double A AA versus triple A thing and calling guys straight up from double A. Anymore, there's not that big of a gap in pitching. Maybe the biggest difference in pitching between double A AA and triple A is the fact that a lot of guys in triple A have seen the majors from a pure stuff standpoint. You anymore, you see better stuff at double A a lot of times because your triple A rosters are filled with like your quad A depth guys that you sign as minor league free. I mean, look at your
3: Chris Owings, your Chaplains, your.
2: Spot on. L- look at the Pirates' pitching staffs. The Triple A, where we're rolling out Osvaldo Beto and Caleb Smith as starters, and you go to Double A, and you've got Jared Jones highlighting that rot- that line or that rotation. Excuse me. I-, I can guarantee you, any hitter in the world would rather face Caleb Smith than Jared Jones. Like there's the the Double A has become for pitching more so than hitting has kind of become that big developmental level because your AAA rosters are filled, like you said, Nick Tyler Chatwood. Like Those are the kind of people you see at AAA because they just fill out your minor league roster. They allow you to kind of move guys around, and they're there as, hey, you know what? We've got 10 games in 10 days. I just need someone to come up here and eat innings, and they get shelled. Who cares? Let's pull up a Tyler Chatwood, a Caleb Smith, whoever might be from AAA, go out there, buddy, good luck. And you're going to get designated in 10 days.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess for some of these veterans, some of these, uh, these guys in that position, you take what you can get. Um, but, you know, you gotta, you Ooh. gotta hope that uh, the, you see a Davis, you see a Rodriguez at some point this summer move. Um, you know, and hopefully the Pirates are still winning games and they're able to contribute. And you're not just, you know, having to try out experiments, if you will, late in the season.
3: Um, experiments. uh, Nick Gonzalez has played shortstop this week, like th- at least in three games, I think. Um, I, ju- I think that, you know, is something also that is. To pay attention to his bat has been hot the last month um, you know he's starting to put up numbers that you would expect from from a player of his pedigree so again someone that we um, as a site are, are somewhat down on but again um, definitely giving us reasons to be optimistic with the bat over the last few weeks after missing so much time last year, maybe he's starting to, to really, you know, pull it together. And I think again, getting him reps at shortstop, that's very suggestive, of, you know, where the pirates feel like they, they need to improve this team in the near term future.
2: Yeah. I, you know, when I saw that with Gonzalez, I thought the same thing, but it makes sense. I mean, if you look at the major league roster, between Marcano and Castro and even Bay to a lesser extent, you feel pretty good about second base. Um, but it's shortstop. And, I mean, I know I'm a guy who I've beat the jump for just, just freaking put Chris Owings there. And you're going to get no offense out of Owings, but at least Owings is going to make the plays. You're not going to be butchering ground balls. You're not going to be dropping throws from first base, trying to turn double plays like we've seen. Um, so it makes sense to try Gonzalez at short and see if, hey, can he come up and help, you know, bridge the gap until O'Neill Cruz is back? And even then, I, I know I've said it before, but I, I'm, I'm far from convinced O'Neill Cruz plays in the field again this season. Um, when he's back, I think there's a real scenario. We just see a lot of him just, you know what? Go DH, go get your swing back if we're still, if they're still in it, Hey, help us try and win some ball games with your bat to go into division. But yeah, I I definitely think that that's something that is a direct result of the O'Neill Cruz injury combined with the continued defensive struggles of Rodolfo Castro at shortstop.
3: And, you know, something to highlight too is Gonzalez played shortstop in college. He, um, you know, was brought in. And I think actually they let him play short a little bit early in his minor league career, just because of, That's where he was used to playing. But obviously going to second base, but having that background could be an easier transition for him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, at this point, you you just try anything you can while Cruz is gone. The defense has been terrible everywhere. But, you know, you look at shortstop in particular, obviously you take Castro's bat on any given day, but, uh, you know, the defense has not been – Great. Uh, Nick Gonzalez. Be fun to see him get up here as well. Uh, anything else you guys uh, are looking out for in the minor leagues? Anything else you guys got coming up this week you're excited about? Um, you know, on Brumbunter.com as well.
2: One other minor league thing I'll throw out there um, Thursday night. Anthony Salameto really good start for Bradenton or, or uh, Greensboro, excuse me. Seven innings, only gave up two runs, struck out six, didn't walk anybody, which is big walks have been an issue for him this year. Um, He's another guy who, after a shaky start to the year, starting to trend in the right direction. But, I, I mean, again, he's a kid, like I said, a li- little bit of a shaky start to the year. But he's 20 years old pitching in high A. Like, that may not sound like much, but 20 years old as a starting pitcher in high A is a pretty big jump Um huh? So hopefully he can continue to uh, pitch well and just trend in the right direction. And maybe if all goes well, get a couple starts at Altoona down towards the end of the season. But, you know, that that twenty twenty one draft class, a big reason why Davis was the guy at number one was to uh, to go the Neil Huntington 2009 route and load up on the bonus babies. And thus far, oh, boy, you know, Lonnie White hasn't been able to stay on the field. Bubba Chandler has really struggled this year. Braylon Bishop has struggled this year, so hopefully uh, Salameto can continue to trend in, in, in the upward direction.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Salameto, like you said, he doesn't get talked about as much as Bubba Chandler, um, and but he should be, and he's done. He's done exactly what you know, they've needed him to do as a young prospect so far. He's, he's been effective. Um, he's striking guys out, which is a, a big thing to see. Like you said, at his age, um, the ability to just, you know, to punch people out. So I, I like where he's going Chandler, you know, you do bring up a good point. He's struggling this year, but you know, with him, it's more about the the potential, the ceiling, um, you know he was a two-way player up until this year he played football in high school was a big-time football recruit you know for him to finally sit down and really to focus on just being a, a potential starting pitcher obviously we're we're going to see a bit of a, a bump in the transition there so hopefully we started to see that swing the other way with him and you know because coming into this year he was getting some talk for top 100 prospect outside you know just outside of it so it'd be nice to see like you said him kind of give us reasons to be optimistic yeah i think
1: it's a little bit too early to tell you know but kind of reflecting on it do you guys think that that was the right strategy looking back at this point it you know hasn't even been two years now but uh do you think that going about it that way was the the correct way to do it? Or um, you know, would you guys kind of lean in the uh, the approach they took this past year with drafting a guy like Turmar?
3: That that draft class has been a little bit of a mess at the top, honestly. Um Jack Jack Leiter has um he's been pitching better of recent, but he's he's been pretty pretty bad through um his minor league career thus far. Kumar Rocker, who was the early name that year and, you know, (laughs) has had like, he's been in the headlines every year. And now he's getting Tommy John um, surgery. So he's out. And then, yeah, you had, well, you had um, Jordan Lawler, who also had some sort of surgery right, right away in his career. So I just think that Henry Davis, could very well just be like a a great pick and it doesn't really matter. Like, I mean, if he's doing what he's doing at double a, you know, what more can you ask for from, from a top pick and not to mention, like just looking at the pirates and everyone knew this, like, one of the biggest holes in their lineup was going to be catcher because they had nothing in the system and for them to feel, be able to fill that with the top overall pick, like, you know, they're it's definitely, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything about that draft at this point.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing there, like you said, Nick is, the fact that it looks like Henry Davis could be a real player for these guys um, going into the draft. Jordan Lawler was the guy I wanted um, going into draft night. Jordan Lawler was the guy I wanted. And you mentioned the top of that draft classic Lawler and Mayer are both top 10 prospects in baseball, but obviously both are a lot further away than Henry Davis. And I mean, I mean, Jack lighter stinks. Um, I'm sorry, Trey. I know you were all on, the lighter training for that, for that draft, but he's yeah. just, he's not okay, good. Right? No um, Rocker. Bad. I mean, Nick, I know you're a big believer in staying as far away as possible from those Friday night starters in the draft mm-hmm. and rocker and lighter have both shown why you feel that way. Um, yep. But my thing is, even if mayor and Lawler pan out, if Davis pans out and one of those three big bonus guys pan out, Obviously, having both of them gives you more value than having just Lawler or Mayor would have. So I'm with you. I wouldn't change the strategy. And even if Davis is the only one that pans out, you know what? If you spent the number one overall pick on a guy who can catch, play the outfield, play first base, and is going to consistently give you a 900 OPS in the majors, yeah, you're going to take that all day long.
3: Yeah, yeah. Just look, Mayor's having a very nice year, and he he was who I wanted um, going into that night. Um, obviously, my my opinion on the matter changed once it started to unfold. Um, the rest of the draft, but Lawler not doing too great, hitting below the Mendoza line. Um, but again, like you said, those two compared to Davis, very young, still a ways to go, and you know. They have all the talent in the world, but I think the Pirates are, you know, in a good position. We're talking about Davis and how he should be in this lineup right now. So it's hard to complain about that.
1: Yeah, you know, a guy that you could obviously get at the uh, at the price you could get him at, which set up the rest of that draft, and a guy that you knew you could promote quickly. Yeah, it was a perfect marriage in that draft. I didn't think you look at this past draft you get excited for different reasons. You know, you get a guy that's uh, young and exciting. I was a Jack Leiter guy, yes, uh, going into that draft. But, um, you know, I think like like you, Nick, as it unfolded, you you just kind of got excited about it. Uh, But, you know, as we kind of look forward here, guys, and kind of begin to wrap it up, anything else you guys want to get to with this upcoming series, anything uh, from this past week or anything coming out on Bunter?
2: No, not a whole lot. Just are usually you no know, continue with our uh, our nightly minor league roundups. Um, I'm currently putting the finishing touches on the tonight's, and since he was mentioned, Tamar Johnson hit his first home run at low A tonight. Um, Started the year really poorly, but the dude has been on fire the last few weeks showing why he was picked number four overall. So, yeah, just stick with the run butter. We'll have you covered in the minors. We'll have you covered in the majors. Um, hopefully, we'll continue to be covering a winning baseball team. It's Excuse me, I mean, obviously this all comes with perspective because perspective changes when you're 20-8 and and in the worst division in baseball. But on Friday, May the 19th, the Pirates are over one game back of a very average Brewers team for first place in the division. We all would have taken this when the season started. So I think that's something to keep in mind. And just one other thing, actually, for this weekend that I think is going to be very – Interesting, fascinating, however you want to put it, to watch unfold is going to be the National League Central as a whole. Um, the schedule this weekend for the Central is brutal. The Reds play the Yankees, the Brewers play the Rays, the Cubs play the Phillies. The Cardinals started a four-game series with the Dodgers on Thursday night, and as we are recording, that game is absolutely wild. It's 9-7 to seven. In the sixth inning, the Dodgers are to put up a five spot. um, And the Pirates obviously played the Diamondbacks. So it's going to be a very challenging weekend for the entire National League Central. So it could very well be another one of those weekends where the National League Central just takes a whole bunch of losses.
3: Yeah, you know, I want to touch on Tamar Johnson, like you said, um, really heating up as of late something that I also am a real true believer in is, is that adjustment period for, for these hitters coming from using a completely different type of bat, basically to, to wood. Um, It's, it's just, it's not just um, a different bat. It's a different feel altogether. So I, I think oftentimes we see these hitters, um, it takes a little bit sometimes for them. And, you know, a guy like Johnson who, you know, is, is, is undersized coming in uh, out of high school, like very raw player, but um, to see him, you know, adjusting and really bouncing back is, is very promising. And, you know, that just leads me into, you know, May's coming to a close here and we're going to be, getting uh, more and more going about the the draft coming up in July. Um, you know, that's going to be – the talk for that's going to be definitely starting up more and more with, uh, with college baseball, um, you know, heading towards its end. So, you know, keep paying attention to Dylan Cruz. Keep paying attention to Wyatt Langford. Wouldn't pay attention to uh, Skeens. Don't think he's on their board. Um, for why Marty said, but <laughs> hey, you know those two crews, Langford, they're the they're the two that will be interesting. Um, to see it seems like you know from what I've been reading, uh, it's starting to trend back to not a slam dunk on Cruz. It's got to be Cruz. I mean.
2: Dude, I, I know you love Langford. If it's I, Nolan if I, Cruz, I'm gonna lose my damn mind. Listen, was, <laughs>
3: Cruz has come back down to earth a little bit over the last few weeks. That's all I'm it's saying. It's a slam dunk. Still, it, come on. If Dylan Cruz, all right, I'm not. I'm not gonna say that. But <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, these are again guys who are going to be in the conversation. You know, we saw uh, Danny DeMio from uh, Pirates Baseball Now. He, he took some heat on Twitter a few weeks ago uh, for, for writing an article saying like, hey, like there's other guys too, not just Cruz. Um, you know, these are premium baseball prospects, these guys. These are... Um, You know, a guy like Langford, a guy like Skeens, they they would be top picks in a lot of drafts. So just watch out, watch the games, enjoy it, see what happens. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I'm team Dylan Cruz at this point. Uh, So so relax, Trey.
2: (laughs) I will will say real quick, too, since Skeens came up in conversation here, um, like you said, we mentioned a few things here on the show tonight about that hop over to runblunter.com. Noah has an article up also about the, the Texas Rangers because of Kumar Rocker and Lighter, how that can be a precautionary tale and why you do not draft those kinds of pitchers at the top of the draft.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like it's obvious in a sense. It's maybe not necessarily a slam dunk, but uh, come on, guys. It's got to be Dylan Cruz. I, I hope. And I'm glad to hear that uh, you're at least publicly team Dylan Cruz. But I don't know, man. Didn't sound too convincing. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it here. We're going to have all kinds of draft coverage. Like you said, over at Rumbunder.com, all kinds of coverage on uh, on the Pittsburgh Pirates because that's what we do. That is what we do on Twitter as well, at RumBunter. Go check us out over there as well. The Pirates and the Diamondbacks set for a three-game series here. Uh, Until next time, from Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Hannity. Thank you for joining us. Let's go, Bucks.